0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey, and it is a very stuffed episode because we've got some mid-season awards that we're going to be giving out this year, and you can tell I'm a little bit excited. And, of course, I am your host, Mark Williams. I am actually in Nashville right now uh, doing a little bit of traveling. Went to the Jack Daniels Distillery today, and uh, the host of The Final Buzzer, Mr. John Fulkowski.
1: What could Mark be doing at a distillery? Hmm. You know
0: what? Not as much as what you think. Not as much as what you think because it's in a dry county. You're only allowed to have a little bit. And we're yeah. joined, of course, by the third part, the fourth period, Mr. Anthony LaRocco.
2: So I got I got to experience the Ole, Ole, oleo chant in person this weekend. And uh, those guys are crazy up there in Montreal, man. Their fans are nuts. It was an interesting place, but it was a cool experience.
0: I love going up to Montreal. We used to do it every single year with my hockey team. So one year I got to see them play the Rangers. They were actually a little bit more cordial than what people might say. And then uh, the other times I got to see them in other games, and it was a lot more fun when my team wasn't involved. So speaking about which, let's go into the A block right now. Let's just quickly talk about those two teams, where you have the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers. And A Block, of course, is sponsored by SeatGeek. Use the promo code Big Apple Hockey for $20 off the first order. And the Big Apple Hockey trucker hats are available. Get yours now in the link below. The Rangers won 1-1 one and one in the last three games since our last broadcast. And they have 54 points. They still sit in first place. We're going to be getting to them in a second. And the New York Islanders won 2 last week as they completed their road trip. And both teams kind of got thumped by the Vancouver Canucks this week. Anthony, actually, let's start with the Islanders to the freshest game. What are your takeaways from last night?
2: They got, you know, they pretty much got outskilled by the Canucks. Um, I didn't, honestly, I didn't think they played all that bad. Um, You know, I thought they had a chance to get back in the game after Nelson's goal made it 3 1. I thought that would have given them a little more juice, but, um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition. But, uh, you know, I got to give the Canucks credit. You know, the Canucks are showing they're a really good team. They got a lot, a lot of skilled players that can that can hurt you if you give them the time and space. Um, and that's what the Islanders did. Um, you know, and a little bit of a little bit of lax play too at some points. The, I think it was the second Canucks goal. Basically, the whole Islander team thought the play was offsides, and they like stopped skating for a second, and then the puck went in the back of the net. Um, you know, can't happen. Uh, you got to you got to keep playing. So. Other than that, though, I honestly, I didn't mind their effort. Like I said, they just got outclassed by the Canucks, and, um, you know, the Rangers did too. <laughs> the, the Canucks put on put on a display of their skill when they were here in New York, you know, between Miller and Pedersen and Hughes and Besser. You know, they're, they're firing all cylinders right now, so kudos to the Canucks. But, um, you know, the Islanders coming back from a road trip, I, I kind of s- saw this coming. You have a really good Canucks team. They just got back from the West. I just had a bad feeling going into the game. And lo and behold, it, you know, turned out to be true. But, um, you know, now they got a tough game against the Maple Leafs, but they always play the Maple Leafs well. Those games are usually close. So, um, you know, and Samsonov got recalled. I think he, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to start, but he's with the team again. Um, I Again, the Islanders usually perform pretty well against them. So I expect a much better uh, outing for them tomorrow. But, yeah, um, last couple of games, you know, the loss in Vancouver, uh, the Vegas game, you know, again, that's, that, Another game that, you know, I I had a bad feeling about, Um, you know, some teams the Islanders play, and especially in certain buildings, uh, I don't really have a whole lot of faith going into the game, you can kind of sense a loss coming, and that was one of those games too, but honestly, I was at the Ranger game in Montreal that night, so I missed that game, can't speak to it uh, that well, but, um, you know, hopefully turn the page and, you know, beat the Maple Leafs. Felk,
0: what do you think about the Rangers? Is this a lull that they're in, or is there something more to it?
1: It's a little bit of both. This has been going on for a month and change now. It just it's good effort, followed by bad effort, followed by good effort. Um, this is the first time in a while that we've seen two bad efforts in a row from this team. Um it, it just the defense is just not good enough right now. All six defenders are, are playing like crap. The forwards are not helping on the back check. Uh and Laviolette skated them heavily after yesterday's practice. Heavy, heavy skating practice. So um he he's definitely seeing it. Keandre Miller has just been atrocious defensively. Something is not right with him. Uh if I were this team, I would really be taking a serious look at him and seeing what's wrong, because some something is just—he's not there. Uh, I mean, the the playing overtime against Montreal, the last the last uh, remaining seconds of overtime, I, I don't know what he was doing getting back to that puck. I really don't. Uh, he just kind of just stopped skating and stopped doing his own thing. He just looks lackadaisical. Jacob Trouba does not play great. Ryan Lindgren has been up and down all season. Adam Fox in his own end has been crap defensively for most of this year. Um, Braden Schneider has regressed heavily. Uh, Eric Gustafson's defense has gotten worse as the season's gone on. Uh, this whole team is just not playing well, and the forwards are not helping them. And the goaltending has just not been there at all this season. The, the, the guy, the both goaltenders, have just not made the big saves lately that they needed to make. But it, it's it just overall bad effort, and I, I think that they need to start looking outside the organization for some remedies sooner than later. And I don't know if that's possible yet with the cap, but hopefully Capo Caco is coming back. I would say by the end of this week, I think he'll be back. And um, unfortunately, Jake Licardio is going to be in the lineup for tomorrow's game against St. Louis. So we know that there's probably about 10 minutes of complete uselessness on the ice there, so that's going to be fun to watch.
0: I just wonder where he's going to fit in, Jake Lucijan. I mean, what what what's he what's he doing? I mean, are they going to use him as the fourth line center, or are they going to use him? I what mean, can he do is the
1: real question. This guy's
0: done nothing. He had zero nothing. points
1: in what over thirty games last year, and was a minus ten. The guy's a joke. He's a joke. He is the definition of I don't know why a coach has such a love affair for this player because he does absolute jack shit. But here we are, and he's still (laughs) – he is the personification of that. Yeah, we need goals from our bottom six. So what do we do? We bring up a guy that had zero points last year in over 30 games. That's going to – that's going to solve our problems right there.
0: Well, that's what's going to hold this team back from any real success in the playoffs, and you don't have a bottom Mm -hmm. six. Yeah. They need definitely they're gonna need to figure goal
2: that goal out. Goal five. Yeah, you know, bottom, bottom six players are important come playoff time. You know, pretty often you you, you you every year it seems like there's a guy that plays in a bottom six that raises his game and scores some you know clutch goals and uh you need those guys to perform to come playoff time. So yeah, the Rangers certainly need help in that regard. I definitely agree there. Mm-hmm. Teddy Blueger yeah. last
0: year, that was that was the big case. He was a guy that Uh, was acquired at the deadline. Him and um, Barbashev, probably the two best acquisitions.
2: Yeah,
1: Ivan Barbashev ended up being a real solid acquisition. Probably would have helped the Rangers a little more than Patrick Kane last year. But, um, yeah, it it just you need balance. You need scoring. There's one line scoring at 5v5 right now. and Janet Kreider is not cutting it. Blake Wheeler needs to be sent out of a cannon into the sun to never return because he's just terrible. Yeah,
0: Blake. I think they've gotten as much as they can out of Blake Wheeler. I'll give him credit. He lasted longer than Ryan Malone did when when they they signed him back in the day. I think that was about almost 10 years ago now. But more on the Islanders and the Rangers in a little bit. For instance, what's going on in net with them. And as well, who is the Islanders MVP this year? But first, let's take a quick message from DraftKings and go into the midseason awards. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 dollars pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. THPN. Well, everybody, we're back again, and that might be the fastest we've gotten the DraftKings message up, so kudos to us. But it is time for our midseason awards. Uh, The NHL doesn't hand out theirs until the end of the season, but we get to do it twice. So, actually, we get to do it three times, guys, because we also have the preseason, too. But you know what? Uh, I think there's a (laughs) couple layups in here, yeah. So... A couple, let's get into this. A couple, oh yeah. Cu- I think there are a couple, a couple layups, because one guy definitely we're going to get to, I think he really played his way into the award recently. And let's start with the Calder Trophy, guys. Is it Bedard versus the field? Phil, I'm going to start with you. It's Bedard, and
1: it's not the field. Brock Faber and Marco Rossi were two guys that I had as finalists, but it's, it's Bedard anyone trying to say
0: otherwise just you're lying to yourself all right and i i actually have that too i have bedard and so, nobody else is close the team leans we- on him
2: mark it, bedard's gonna miss oh, that, six eight gonna similar similar to mcdavid and his rookie we're, got we're just
1: talking not, about right now though we're not talking about what what's gonna happen it's just right now
2: so i'm all right. I was I was I was going like who I think's gonna win the cold. If you're basing it off right now, then yeah, I mean it, it was it was Connor Bedard, but all my selections. But let's take that him I out of the equation, on. Anthony. Who do you got? What?
0: Let's take him out of the equation. Bedard's not available right now.
2: Who's your cold I, had and Martin, Martin? I had Marco I had Marco Rossi as the winner. He was second. I think he actually tied with Bedard. They think they both had 24 points. Um, and you know, he's really stepped up for the wild. You know, he had that. What was that? That heart issue, whatever he had. Um, you know, and he he questioned if he was ever gonna kind of be able to get his game back. And uh he's he's certainly producing for the Minnesota Wild, uh for you know, at least in terms of rookie production. So are um, not higher points. What are you talking about? Didn't have twenty four points. points. What?
1: Oh, um, Pedard has thirty three points, Rossi is twenty four.
2: I don't know what I was looking. I must have been looking at an old, an old yeah, statue. At Bedard, at us, has, Bedard has
1: a wide lead on, on on the competition right now, scoring wise. I think Rossi is the second leading rookie scorer, but I mean he may not even be the best rookie in his team, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, he's 24, he had 24 points. Um yeah, I went well with Bedard out, I went with Rossi. But I like I said, Mark, I had picked from the picks I sent you. I based it on, like, the end of the season. I didn't do it on right now, just so you know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, no,
0: no. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, Anthony. I did it on. If, if the season ended right now, the rest of them all will still fit. But Dart is just the one thing. It's similar to the Conor, the Connor McDavid thing where he ended up breaking – I believe it was his collarbone, guys, right? Who? And
2: what? McDavid when he broke
0: his collarbone, right?
1: What, McDavid in his rookie year? Yeah, yeah. It was a Brandon Manning, Michael
0: Belzato hit, and he broke his collarbone. Yeah, and that allowed Artemi Panarin to win it. So, I mean, this isn't this isn't an Anthony messed up. There's also no graphic for that. So, uh, no, he's just but that's really (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, this is just a matter of semantics. However, Anthony, let me go right back to you on this one. Who is your mid-season Norris Trophy winner right now?
2: I pick Quinn Hughes. Um, and I—I I mean, barring barring anything changing too drastically, uh, I think he's gonna win it at the end of the year. Um, he's been, you know, one of the Canucks' best players. Um, you know, it seems like this is he, this is his year to win it. Like it's his destiny. Um, I mean, a lot of a couple words that when Cal McCarr won it, I was talking about how great of a year Cal McCarr was having. Lo and behold, he won it. Quinn Hughes is having a fantastic year offensively. He's leading the Canucks. Um, he's controlling the play from the back end. I think his defensive game has also improved a little bit this year. Um, but right now for me, it's it's Hughes as as the winner by a decent margin too. I mean, no knock on McCarr or anybody else, but I don't see anybody supplanting Hughes at the moment. Hughes has been playing at such
0: a high level that I gave it to him as well. I just can't be- – I, I, I can't believe that this is the same guy that was going out there the last two years. This is who all of us kind of expected he was going to grow into. And, uh, again, credit to uh, he's looking like his Uncle Marty out there. So I got to say that's a great thing. But, Phil, you had somebody else.
1: I think Quinn Hughes is going to win. Do I think he should? No. I I think it's Morrissey. I I think Josh Morrissey has been as good as any defenseman in the league. If you ask me what a defenseman should be doing – it's what Josh Morrissey is doing right now. Josh Morrissey's on pace for over 60 points. Um, he's more vital to his team than Quinn Hughes is. If Quinn Hughes is playing the way he's playing last year, Vancouver is still a, a really good team. Still a really good team. They're still getting offensive production out of them. Uh Josh Morrissey is probably the second most important player on Winnipeg, I would say, behind Connor Hellebuck. And Morrissey's a big part of their offense. He's he is the anchor on defense. He is a leader on that team. I, honestly, it, it, for me, it's it's Morrissey. I don't I know he's not going to get it just because we're at a point where we need a Bobby Orr Award for best offensive defenseman, and the, the Norris needs to be for the best all around defenseman at this point because it, it just keeps going to guys who just put up tons of points. And that really aren't that good defensively anymore. That's
0: what this award has become. So, yeah, or they do put up the points and then they overlook them like they did for Roman Yossi. Because uh, again, like Kale McCarrs having a fantastic season, I'm not taking anything away from him on that. But yeah, the, it's McCart basically these three guys. an in Injury though. That's I think that's one thing that's going to help open up the field, Phil, because there's so many guys that were out with injury Adam Fox was out. And like you said, he hasn't been that great. And that's really helping out matters. But guys, moving on to the Vesna trophy, the mid season Vesna, and we all agree on it. Mr. LaRocco, will you do the honors?
2: Connor Hellebuck, Winnipeg Jets. Um, You know, he's, he's been fantastic. Uh, You know, the, one of the only guys that has a better save percentage than him is Aiden Hill, but he's only played in fifteen games. So, yeah. I mean, but de facto that makes hella book one in my book. Um, you know, this is a guy he's always been viewed as, I would say, a top, you know, five, six goaltender in, in the league. And this year he's certainly playing like he's the best goalie in the league. Um, you know, he's he's their just backbone when their defense does break down, he's there. Um, you know, he's a workhorse in net. Uh, and he gives them a chance to win every single night they play, and you know, good for him for you know having for having a year there where he's the standout. Um, and like I said, barring something changing, I, I don't I, I don't see him not winning the Vesna. And Phil, what are your thoughts on Hellebuck?
1: Best goalie in the league right now. Uh, I he, it's he's already won a Vesna. I, I think he wins his second best, and he's playing behind a team that's playing good defensively, too, That's so that's going to help his numbers out. Thatcher Demko w- was a finalist for me. Ken um, Talbot was another finalist for me, uh, but it, it, it's hella buck, and I honestly
0: don't really think it's close. He's almost like a throwback to a classic number one goalie. He has taken the load where Hill has a lightened load, I mean, Cam Talbot really came close. There you go, Core. I'm saying Cam Talbot came close for me to say it in there. But um, although his numbers are dropping as of late, but Hellbuck, he's he's already got the hardware. And he's got my respect, and uh, I gotta say, it, he is. He's got Winnipeg on a whole new level. He keeps his up. <laughs> yeah. well, I almost picked. I almost picked him. He keeps us up. About, Winnipeg is gonna. You, ma- you imagine
1: Mark picking Talbot and then doing a ten-minute rant about how Cam Talbot is not that great? That'd be we, amazing. I would love that, that. would be the ultimate. I just stuck my head in my ass and talked. Well,
2: we we all Cam have me. to eat. We all have to eat crow on that because during the season previews, we were trashing the Kins goaltending, saying how are they going to win Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot. Um, and Cam Talbot is, is turning in a fantastic year. Yeah, but so. the
1: thing is with Talbot, it, it's he's playing good, but he's really, really boosted behind a strong defensive team. Yeah, I mean they absolutely and strong enough to go ahead and bench or, or basically almost bench Pierre Luc Dubois, banish him to the fourth line. So just think about how good that LA team is.
0: And and also just to bench it, the first half of the season, all great. Talk to me in March because That's where you might start seeing some cracks. Speaking of which, you need a steady hand from a good coach. Todd McClellan's doing a great job out in L.A. He's not my pick. Phil, who do you have winning the Jack Adams?
2: I'm going
1: to be the homer. I know I'm going to get accused of it, but it's Peter Laviolette it's, it's got to be for me because of all the injuries that this guy has had to deal with all season, he's managed to keep his Ranger team in first place. Yes, they've been playing real bad defensively um, over the last month or so in terms of up and down, get game to game. But, I mean, the only other guy that I really think that has a case for me, uh, and I listed two finalists for me, but Rick Bonus and Winnipeg, who would, if it's not Laviolette, it's Bonus for me, um, my other finals was Jim Montgomery in Boston, considering the, the lack of center depth that they have and what what he's getting from his roster is uh, really, really good for me. I know John Torrell is going to get some votes, but uh, I'm going Laviolette. It, it's, it's to deal with as many injuries as he's dealt with, constant lineup changes, uh, trying to figure out who's going to be the first line right winger and getting anything out of Blake Wheeler's decrepit ass.
0: Um yeah, uh, Peter Laviolette gets my nod. And just to extend more than what you're saying, Phil, I mean, he's hasn't had Philip Heedle since the first week of November, and he's still getting some production out of that bottom six. It's I, He's done a great job, and he's also known when to hit the throttle and when yeah. to kind of lay off of it with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned about one of your finalists, Anthony. Who do you got?
2: I went with uh, Rick Bonus in in Winnipeg. Um, you know, this is a team that were in the off season. They were talking about like would Shifley and Halibut go, and you know, is this a team that starts in you know to retool? They both end up signing extensions, staying, and then you know they they just churn out the season that they're having. Um, you know, I think you know good leadership and having a good voice in the room is is really important on top of having skill. And I think Rick Bonus has made them all believe. Um, And they're having a fantastic season. So uh, I also had my other uh, finalists were Rick Tockett in Vancouver because that's, again, I don't think anybody expected Vancouver to be the second best team in the league. Um, He's done a great job. Uh, And then John Tortorella I had because the Flyers, let's face it, everyone is expecting the Flyers to be one of the worst teams in the league. And here we are, halfway point of the season. And they're, you know, within shouting distance. It's second place in the division. Um, and when you look at their roster on paper, I mean, not even close to the skill that some of these other teams have. So you got to give credit to Torts in Philly. Um, but there's a lot of good choices. Montgomery, I mean, he could be considered. LaViolette, I mean, I, I think the Jack Adams discussion this year is going to be really interesting how, how it plays out.
0: And the- say that because you know what? John Tortorello is mine. You look at all those teams you guys just mentioned, there's talent all over the place the Philadelphia Flyers do not have the talent level. They actually uh, you could even argue they had more reclamation projects. Nobody knew that Carter Hart would be this good or with uh you, you kind of thought they might go into a rebuild after this and you're saying to yourself, why would you why would you go into the tank? Instead, they've improved their team and there's a statement from the top to the bottom, if you don't want to be here, then you're not going to be here. More on that in our bar talk segment. Hmm. So, guys, let's go to the MVP. I'm going to start this off, and I'm going to cede to you, Anthony, to go into the full description. Nate McKinnon, go ahead, because we all agree on this one.
2: Yeah, I picked Nate McKinnon, too. Um, He's having a monster year. Uh, I mean, for me, you know what for me is impressive is that you could say that he has other good players on his team, like Rantanen, McCarr, but even despite how good those guys are, he has a sixty-six, fifty-one. He's got a fifteen-point lead on the next highest scorer on his team in, in Ranton. I mean that—that's—that's that's impressive. Um, it just goes to show how you know how good he is. Um, how he really makes the wheels turn there in Colorado. Uh, and you know, right now, um, he's he's especially lately, he's playing like he's a man on a mission. And you know, he's we talk about like the best players in the world. I think we all agree. Like McDavid's one and. You know, depending on who you talk to, maybe Dreisaitl at two. But Nathan McKinnon is is one of the most elite players we've seen over the last few years. He's got he's got immense skill. Um, and for me, uh, right now, he's my he's my pick. And that's not a knock on other guys you could make a case for. I mean, you know, you can make a case for Panarin. You can make a case for Kucherov, uh, even though his team is maybe underachieving a little bit. Uh, but McKinnon right now, for me, is, is the easy answer here. Phil, you had Nathan McKinnon as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they've lost some talent over the years. Uh, I mean, Gabriel Landeskog, who knows if he's ever going to play again because uh, his career may end up being over. Um, they've lost some other guys. Um, and they have a, a, a still a talented, but not the juggernaut team that they had two years ago that, that we all thought was going to be this crazy juggernaut for years and years. But for, for me, it, it's McKinnon. Um, I, Connor McDavid, he's always going to have a spot there, uh, in, in, at least in the finalists. He may have even end up winning it if Edmonton makes – Edmonton makes the playoffs and he leaves the league in scoring. He's probably going to win it. Um, but I, I have to give it to McKinnon. Uh, Artemi Panarin was another finalist for me just because – Without Artemi Panarin, the Rangers are are nowhere because that, that offense is all centered around him. He's one of the top-scoring uh, players at 5-on-5. Five five. If you take away his 5-on-5 five five goals from the Rangers, the Rangers are probably dead last in the league five in 5-on-5 five offense. So uh, I I definitely got to go with McKinnon. But props to Panarin, who's having a season that deserves it, and also Connor McDavid for just being like, okay – I'm still the best player in the world, and there's not a damn thing you're going to do about it because when I want to be, I'm just going to dominate everybody.
0: I got to say, guys, and again, I came this close to putting Ben Aaron in there because I do think the gap between Ben Aaron and his guys are there. But there are seasons where you just watch guys and you just say to yourself, this is the best player in the league right now. That's what Nathan McKinnon's doing right now. He is just passing the eye test with flying colors. And he just looks the part of a guy who is determined to win his first Hart Trophy, and he might not even care. He's just—they're they, just playing at such a high level. And Colorado is a top-heavy team, and they're showing why they can be because they could just rely on McKinnon. All right.
2: Now it's crazy. So, it's crazy to say this, but are we are we not giving enough credit to the league's leading scorer here at all? Just during Nikita Kucherov. Feel like not being talked about. It sixty seven points leads the whole league, and not much I, mentioned. I get it. I, I, I think he's there.
1: Like at the same time, like you, you look at Tampa and where they are in the standings. I mean, they're not even in a wild card spot right now. They're they're one point back of the wild card, and the and the two teams tied for that last wild card have three games in hand on them. Tampa has a minus eight goal differential. And they're, they're not that good of a team. So this could be another situation where it ends up being like Jerome McGinley 2002, where he could end up leading the league in scoring. Tampa ends up missing the playoffs. He doesn't get the trophy because of it. Remember, that was Taylor's Hart and design a year in 2002. Mm-hmm. And McGinley was on the cover of NHL 2003
0: because of you know, the year that he had that year. So it's – it's amazing. And I think the lack of team success is what would end up like if you had, let's take for instance, let's go back to 1994, John Van Beesburg and he was, and uh, Jose Theodore, I believe he had another season like this where both these guys were amazing and their teams weren't exactly that much of winners. And then they were in Van Beesburg's case, he was a finalist in Taylor's case. He won Heart Trophy that year, correct? Or the, just the Vezina? He, he won the Hart and the Vezina in 2002. Okay. He became the uh,
1: the first goalie to do it since, I think, John Plant. No, Hasek definitely won. Oh, no, I'm All sorry. Right? Ha- Hasek, yeah, I'm sorry. The second goalie since um, Hasek, 97 and 98. And then, um, you know, Plant was the other, the third. I'm sorry. But,
0: but I, I understand what you're saying, Anthony, because when you produce like that, I think – Again, going with the perception and the eye test. You're talking about Tampa, the team that was always on top. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and now they're here. Because one guy, there's a couple underrated guys this season we're going to talk about in bar talk in a little bit. And, you, you know, it's just, I think nobody's going to have that underdog perception with Kucherov. It's going to be that, you know, the, the Lightning should be uh, challenging for the division lead. Not scraping wins together to stay in the playoff mm-hmm. race. Uh, and guys, let's go one last one to the midseason Stanley Cup Finals. Phil, let's go with you first.
1: I, you know, it's just because I've got to believe, and I've got to believe that they're going to make moves. Uh, uh, I'm go, I'm going with Rangers of Winnipeg. I, I, I Winnipeg if they get everything, I know Vancouver looked real good in these three games and their little Metro swing here, but something about that team defensively come playoff time just doesn't sit right with me. You're, you're, you're going to depend on Tyler Myers and I like Philip Bronic, but I, Philip Bronic is not a proven, def, you know, play uh, playoff defender and Quinn Hughes does not really look great in the playoffs as well. So I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Winnipeg because I think goaltending eventually wins in the playoffs. And I I, I think that Winnipeg has a good enough team to counteract Vancouver's speed with their defense and their structure. And then you've got the equalizer in net and Connor Hellebuck. I also think that Vancouver would probably have a real tough time with Winnipeg's size and physicality. I also think LA could give Vancouver a real run for their money, but that's another story. I have to think that the Rangers are going to make moves to fix everything They're going to make that over-the-top move. And I – you know what? Screw it. I'll say it. The Rangers are going to go get uh, Elias Lindholm. They're going to go get him. I, I, I have a feeling that this is going to be the year that just reminds me too much of the 91, 92, and 92, 93 teams where they start getting to the point where they realize that they were that close, but they need a certain type of player to bring in to help put them over the top. And they're going to go make those moves to get those players to, br- to be brought in here. So if it's Frank Vertrano and Elias Lindholm, I have a feeling that they're going to go do that. And if you ask me, if Jacob Chickren is really available, I would okay. go offer one of Keandre Miller or Ryan Lindgren to Ottawa and then some to, to get Jacob Chickren and turn this defense
0: around. Wow. Those are some powerful gonna... words right there. That That is amazing, Phil. And the analytic he, geeks are wrong. He was number two in Selkie Trophy voting two years ago. Wrong. And, 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 and as a matchup center in the playoffs, that's what you would need to negate some guys. And by the way, again, if the season ended right now, I'm still going with a rematch of the 94 finals, the Vancouver Canucks versus the New York Rangers. Right now I'd have the Vancouver Canucks winning it. Sorry, guys. They looked impressive Monday night and last night. It's one game. I know it's just one game. But Vancouver, and the reason why I think Winnipeg, even though they're tops in the NHL, their road right now, you got to go through either, if not both, Dallas and uh, Colorado. That's going to be a rough road. Uh, I like Winnipeg's road as of right now. And I think the Rangers' road as of right now, is easier, and a lot of their questions are answered already. Who's in net? What's their lineup going to be? They're going to go out and acquire more players, but as of right now, I was I would have the Rangers over the Bruins uh, because I don't know who their goalies are, and that's an important thing for me. You can't be flip flopping goalies in in playoff time. Anthony, who do you got for the Stanley Cup Finals?
2: Nashville Predators versus the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, let most unserious answer ever
2: <laughs> um i it's funny that phil mentioned Elias Lindholm cuz i'm going to go with the two teams that have been the most linked to him over the last i don't know month or so that's the boston bruins and the colorado avalanche um i, I think the bruins i mean we we said we were going to take steps back they didn't they they're still a really good team Despite their lack of center depth, I think they're going to be really, really motivated to try to acquire Lindholm. The only thing is they don't have a lot of first-round picks in their in their uh, bank here, so I don't know if they can find a way to make it work. But um, if Boston could add another center, I think I think they're going to be a real strong contender to come out of the East. They're one of the stingiest teams defensively. You know, I know Olmark just got hurt, but with Olmark and Swayman. even though I don't agree with the whole every other start thing, they they make a great duo, provide great goaltending. So if they could add another center like Lindholm, I think that propels them to the top. Uh, And the same thing for Colorado. I think they're certainly going to be looking for some other pieces. Um, You know, I I think they're going to be a team that probably looks to add a defenseman and then also maybe another scoring forward like Lindholm. But, um, you know, Winnipeg and Vancouver, I like them a lot. But I think when it comes to playoff success, Playoffs, really, kind of in general, more so for the Canucks. But they're not. I don't know if they have the experience to to make a long run right off the bat with with both those teams. Um, so I don't know. I it's I don't think they'll go all the way, but um, I guess we'll see. But for me, I, Colorado, they're a team that's been there before. They know what it takes to win, and I think that they're going to be looking to add some pieces here to help them. So that right now, that would be my pick.
0: And, Anthony, it's kind of funny that you say that because the Rangers in Vancouver Canucks played Monday and so did the Bruins in the Colorado Avalanche play this week. So you had two previews that we had for the Stanley Cup Finals right now. I'm,
1: gonna put, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to get something in real quick, just just outside of hockey real quick. This is one of my good friends in real life. I play hockey with him and his son. They just had during that storm – they just had a tree fall on their house and they're disposed right now. So everybody keep Jason and his family in your thoughts. I just wanted to throw that out there. Love you, brother.
2: Yeah. That's
1: tough. Well, that, that
0: is tough. Incredible. And hopefully everything incredible. recovers soon. But, hey, so everybody, that was our mid-season awards. Uh, what differences do you might have with us? Put them all down in the comments below and we are going to do some bar talk right now and go over some of the things we didn't talk about in this.
2: Shot, this is the easiest cyber to answer. Let me say beer. I can't
1: even begin to describe.
0: I'm actually gonna go crazy. I'm gonna buy everybody around on this one. Cause welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, everybody, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? So-so a beer? Or, oh, God, I need a shot. And, of course, play along down in the comments below. And why go to the liquor store when you can make it a drizzly night? Have somebody else bring the liquor to you. Liquor, wine, beer, whatever you want. And, of course, Big Apple Hockey trucker hats are available. So let's start on Long Island for this. And yeah. Well, <laughs> you know I, I do some self alley-oops but again it's to it's it's talk about it's core Oh
1: course. my god, we're going to get this guy a basketball hoop so he can do all of his little self play <laughs> and alley-oops and stuff like that. well yeah. So uh, I just I'll need to do that basketball jersey.
0: Anthony, let's start on Long Island where Matt Barzell is having probably his best offensive season since his rookie year. 11 goals, 30 assists, and a plus-one rating. He's got 41 points. Matt Barzell is the Islanders' midseason MVP.
2: Oof. Um, honestly, this is – Mark, i got to give credit. This is actually not a layup. Um 'Cause you know, the Islanders have some guys who are really been going for him. I mean, we all know Noah Dobson the season he's having. Uh, you know, Bull Horvat is having a good year. I mean, Brock Nelson just scored his nineteenth goal, so you know, he's on his way to, you know, sniffing forty again. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go beer here because you know and Pellick just came back, but he missed 20 games. Ryan Pollock still out, not, hasn't resumed skating. Um, and with those two guys out, Noah Dobson had a lot of responsibility on him to really, you know, kind of improve his defensive game on top of still being, you know, the, the most prolific offensive point getter on the team. Um, and he's played in all situations penalty kill. And granted, the penalty kill struggled, but that's not on him. But he's played a lot of minutes on the penalty kill, he plays the power play minutes. Uh, with those two guys out, you know, him and Romanov has been used as the shutdown pair, and they've done an admirable job. So um, I, I think you can make a case for him because of this. Uh, as actually, you know, Pete's just saying this has to be Dobson. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go beer uh, because of all of Dobson's success, but that's not to discount Barzell. I mean, Barzell has been, like you said, he's playing like he did in his rookie year. He, he's. He's showing his skill off more this season. Uh, No doubt he's helped Bo Horvat, vice versa. But um, yeah, it's a tough one, Mark. So credit to you, but I'll go beer here. Phil,
1: I'm gonna go shot, and I'm gonna say it's Noah Dobson. And uh, it's to me, I I have him as a Norris finalist right now. Yeah, I I have I I pick Morrissey, even though I think Quinn Hughes win it. Uh, I think that Noah Dobson has been the force for that. Uh, it, for me, he's taken that next step. He looks like he's established himself as a top-level puck mover. I still think he needs to work on his defense a little bit, even though it's improved. Um, plus 16 on a team that has a negative 12 goal differential, as Pete says here, that's pretty damn impressive. Um, that's part of why I picked Sidney Crosby as a Selkie finalist because – He's plus 14 on that Pittsburgh team, and that's incredible. So, um, yeah, I'm going with Dobson. It's a, it's a shot for me here.
0: My choice would be Dobson, but it's just going to be a beer for me. There are too many guys that I look at with the Islanders that they, they you could say they're the MVP of the team. Uh, we've already talked about Horvat. Nelson always gets an option for me because I think the guy is just playing at such a high level right now. Overlooked on every single list for Team USA. There's a place for him, guys. Trust me. Uh, And the last one kind of needs to be talked about. I know his numbers are down, but if you look at the defensive metrics of the Islanders, Ilya Sorokin kind of needs to be talked about because there was a post today from J Fresh Hockey that some of the analytics are saying that the Islanders are a worse defensive team than the San Jose Sharks and it's their (laughs) goaltending that is bailing them out. Even if I want to say those numbers a little bit. Even higher. if I
1: wanted to agree with that, has he been watching Sorokin lately? Because Sorokin has not been himself. Sure, no, he hasn't defense been defense has not helped him, but Sorokin, just like Shesterkin uh, for the Rangers, they've both not been themselves this year. They mm-hmm. haven't been big saves when they needed to.
0: They're overcompensating, and that's been part of the problem. And speaking about which, one of the guys that looks real good for the most part this year, Jonathan Quick, Phil, he's been – Great for the New York Rangers, especially when circuit went down. But since November 25th, four, two, one, eight, ninety-three save percentage, and his goals against is over three. Phil Jonathan Quick has reverted back to last year's performance.
1: Uh, it's seven starts that he's had, and he's had an under a nine hundred or under save percentage in five of those starts. And and two of them, I think he was, like, over 930, including a 960 performance. Um, I'm only going to say beer just because I I, I think this could just be a little bit of a lull. And he's also gotten less time with Igor being back. So maybe the the repetitions part of it is throwing him off a little bit because it seemed like when he was playing every day, he was playing better. Maybe he's uh, a la Curtis Joseph, how – he used to be better with the more shots he faced in a game. So, um uh,
0: Mike Richter too.
1: I'm I'm only going to say beer. Mike Richter's another story. He was prone to soft goals way too many times. But um I am going to say beer here.
0: Anthony, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go beer too. I mean, those numbers off that uh on that stretch you showed. I mean, they're certainly not good, but um it is only 7 games. You know, may, maybe if he if he keeps playing like that, let's say his next five, six starts, yeah. But for now, I'll, I'll say beer.
0: You know what? Even if you include the rest of the games, you could throw on three more games where he's had a fewer than 900 save percentage. And, you know, obviously he had three shutouts. So that's even better. You know, you know something? Uh, Jonathan Quick is back to being an old goaltender, and he's looking at I'm going to buy around round on this. And I'd start getting concerned, and I've been concerned for a while. Because everybody wants to talk about how great John of the Quick has been, you look at some of those numbers individually, here's game by other, game. Here's, they're the not up. here's the other part of it,
1: though. The that the team has been playing like crap defensively for the last month and change, which is about the time that that stretch started. It was the Boston game where he gave up those goals, and ever since that Boston game, they've been lackadaisical defensively. So yeah, I mean, this is kind of. I, I, listen, it's a little were, bit nitpicky. Yeah. It's it's I think it's a little nitpicky, but they were also playing better
0: defense in front of Quick than they were in front of Shisterkin for a little bit there. So Phil, you were mentioning him before, Sidney Crosby, and Brad Marchand had this to say about him. I think he's obviously one of the best in the world, but he's not really getting the credit he deserves right now. Anthony, Sidney Crosby is the best under the radar player in the league this season.
2: Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go around here. I mean, I, I think a lot of, you know, what happens is you got a guy like Crosby who's getting older, um, you know, towards the latter part of his career. And you have all these younger guys coming in that are always talked about. Uh, so sometimes now this guy, this type of player, Crosby, starts to fly under the radar. But um, he's still fantastic. You watch him. Um, you know, as as well as still being a real prolific scorer. He knows the game really well. He's in position. He's, you know, hustles back defensively. Um, You know, and for a guy who doesn't really like the Penguins too much or, you know, or him over the years, I got to give him a lot of credit. Um, He stayed uh, to be at the top of his game as he's getting older, and I I think he he deserves to be talked about more for sure. Doug, what do you think?
1: I'm going to say Beer. Just because I, I, I think people still talk about him. I mean, I, I saw a segment on him on NHL where Mike Rupp and I think Mike Kelly as well were both gushing over his play. Um, I think Mike Kelly even tried to say that he should be in the MVP conversation. He's the, the analytics guy that's on NHL Network. So um, while I think he may be flying under the – not really flying under the radar as much as you guys are suggesting – Maybe he's not getting the name recognition because he's nowhere near the top of the scoring list, but he's still playing very well. Um, For me, why is nobody talking about Vincent Trocek? He's got 40 points in 39 games. And, yeah, I get he's playing with Artemi Panarin, but he played with Artemi Panarin last year and only had 60 points. So, I mean, Vincent Trocek's obviously found a new level to his game, and nobody's talking about that. Robert Thomas in St. Louis – why is nobody talking about him? 41 points in 39 games. Why is nobody talking about him? I mean, that, that's another one that you could talk. National, Philip Forsberg, 45 points in 41 games, 21 goals. He's on pace for about 40 goals and almost 90 points. Why is nobody talking about him? I mean, they're, they're, to me, Crosby's having a, a, a great year and it's not being talked about as much. Sure. But there are other guys that I I think would definitely. So I'm going to say beer here.
0: I'm going to go beer, too. And I don't know if anybody can tell, but there were beads of sweat that were starting to come from my forehead. As Philk was listing all his players, I was ready for him to list the guy that I had locked and loaded. How about Sam Reinhart? Nobody is talking about Sam Reinhart, and he's having a great season. And uh, let's see, I think he had 50, he's got 51 points right now. But, I mean, that's, he's just having an incredible year. Look, Sidney Crosby could do it in so many different ways. And let's all be honest, we wish Sidney Crosby landed on our team. But yeah, there it is. Puck, yeah. Thank you, Pete. 29-22 for 51 points. And he's still playing great defensively. But there was a big signing this year, guys, because – or this year, I mean, obviously – well, this year, this week, the year just started – Monday, the Toronto Maple Leafs extend William Nylander to a ninety-two million dollar extension. Guys, the Maple Leafs extension of William Nylander is a big mistake, and I know it's going to sound funny, guys. I'm going to buy around on this. What are they doing? I got to head out. Gonna,
2: they they Take it easy,
0: Anthony. Have a great night. Yeah,
2: and you know what? This this is a. I don't know. I, I think this is a shot. You go first. Um, I, I think I think it's a shot. Uh, I, I sent you guys the other day their their cap situation with Nylander's um, new cap hit reflected and it's going to be tight but you know they could still they could still feel the team um, you know he he's playing at an elite level and clearly you don't want to lose a guy like that so they had to pay him they had no choice uh, so uh, I don't I don't think it was a big mistake I mean I, I think what's ultimately going to happen is. Um, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe if things go really bad, poorly this year, they look to trade Tavares' last year. But I, I still think he probably finishes his contract out with the team. Uh, my only concern is when Marner's up the year after that, they're going to have to pay Marner big bucks. But by then, Tavares' contract will be off the books. So, honestly, I, I really don't see it as an issue. I don't. Okay.
0: All right, good. Because I was hoping you were going to answer that question before you had to cut out. Yeah. Well, you later, Anthony. Now, Phil, I just look at the economics of it. You're going to have four players. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm not sure about that one just yet. Uh, But they're going to have four players making over $10 million. We just had the first team win a Stanley Cup with a player with a $10 million contract. You know what? He should not be making that money. Chris T is on the nose right here saying, "Yeah, he
1: but, well, it's it's different contracts signed at different times." It's it, I'm sorry, but you know what? It's it's like the next man up in football. The next quarterback gets that biggest deal. Like who? Next pitcher. Part. It, it's it's the next one. So. Yeah. So Phil, what do you think?
0: I think it's going to have a trickle down effect on the rest of the team. This is why you end up with goaltenders like
1: uh, uh, I don't. I, 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 Samsonov. I I can't say I I gotta say shot here just because I I don't like the fact that they did it. I I I personally would have tried to trade him earlier. Uh, I, I to me I would have, but you know what? They found a way to make the cap work next year. It's it's gonna work. And then eventually they'll be able to move John Tavares, and
0: that'll be there out. So it's a shot. All right. I mean, long term, I do not like this for the Leafs. And it doesn't matter what my opinion is on Nealander. Great player, good good season. I'm also thinking, you know, you're making that much money. I'm not sure if he's a franchise player. It's as funny as it sounds. So.
1: That, that $11.5 million is not a franchise player anymore. It, it's it's guys that are point per game, 90-point to
0: 100-point players at this point. So, I mean, any other team that probably is a franchise player money. Hey, Phil, Marc-Andre Fleury tied Patrick Locke for second most in all-time wins. Marc-Andre Fleury is a top-10 all-time goaltender. Shot? What the hell is this? Shot. And I, I like
1: Marc Andre Fleury. He's a he's a he's a good guy, good dude, likable, the top 10 goaltender of all time. So you're telling me that you're gonna put him ahead of Ed Belfort, Patrick Waugh, Marty Brodeur, Dominic Hoshick, Jock Plant, Ken Dryden. Um I mean, no, absolutely not. I I could go. I, I would take Tony Esposito over him as well. Um, there are other goaltenders that I would absolutely take over Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury won one Stanley Cup as a starter. In 2016, he got benched basically for Matt Murray. Matt Murray won them the 2016 Stanley Cup. When in 2017, he, he got them to what? The conference finals and then back and they won the Stanley cup with Matt Murray in that. No, I'm sorry, but Mark Andre Fleury is not a top 10 goaltender of all time. He's a very good goaltender, a compiler. He's going to go in the hall of fame, but he is not by all means, not a top 10 goaltender of all time. Terry Sawchuk is another guy. I would absolutely take over him. Uh, I mean, if we really need to go, you know, over, I would take Henrik Lundqvist over him. I, I, I Mark Andre Fleury wasn't the best goaltender of his generation. He is not a top ten goaltender of all time. Sorry, he's not. He's second in wins and has three wins. Okay, he's got one Vezina Trophy and he only has one Stanley Cup as a starter. One Stanley Cup as a starter. Henrik Lundqvist's lifetime numbers are better than him, and Henrik Lundqvist is widely considered the best goalie of his generation. Marc-Andre Fleury is
0: not. End of story. Well, and folk, I'm going to actually not block your face and go with shot two on this. And my reasoning for talking about this is, yeah, I'm not even sure, extending from what you're saying, I I definitely can't put him ahead of Carey Price and Henrik Lundqvist in his own generation. So now yeah, – Harry, Harry Price at his peak was far better than Marc-Andre Fleury. But Carey
1: Price won a heart and a in the same season. Yeah, uh, albeit at 88 points was the scoring lead that year. That was terrible, Jamie Benn. But Fleury – yeah, longevity is one thing and compiling is another. But Marc-Andre Fleury was the sieve for the Pittsburgh Penguins for so long. He was their scapegoat. He was their fallout guy. He is the fourth most important player on that team.
0: Sorry, not sorry. So this is what makes him more interesting as like a uh, as a as a case study, if you will, Phil, because as you just said, everything is a hundred percent true. He then goes to Vegas and completely reshapes people's opinions about him, takes him to a Stanley Cup final in, it, in his first season, wins a Vezina trophy there, is then passed around to Chicago and then to Minnesota. Hasn't really dealt with the success, but he hasn't had that. You remember that meme years ago, nice try, but I dodged your shot again when it came to him. And eventually, how do you, how do you say, uh, I think the joke was also, how do you say, um, Mark Andre Fleury in Spanish, Roberto Wolongo, because he didn't have a good uh, 2014 playoff season. I think it was, but you know, it's just he's a he's an interesting case study. I actually have no idea where to place Mark Andre Fleury in history. Like the guys, the guy's been a solid goalie, but in the playoffs, he's been up and down. And yeah, this is a great, great analogy right here. Frank Gore, great comparison. A third leading rusher
1: overall because of longevity. Is he a top ten running back of all time? Okay, no, he's not. No. no, are you putting him ahead of Emmitt Smith? No. Are you putting him ahead of Jim Brown? No. Are you putting him ahead of Walter Payton? No. Are you putting him ahead of Barry Sanders? No. Here's he's another. him ahead of Roger Craig. Is, is 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 Emmitt Smith a better running back than Barry Sanders? No. Emmett Smith got three championships because he played on a better team and played, what, six more years than Barry Sanders to break his rushing record? Barry Sanders retired, what, about 1,000 yards short of Walter Payton? Yeah, no, I'm telling you right now. Mark andre Fleury, great that he got to where he was and wins. But if you're going to try to tell me that he's better than the goaltenders in the top 10, I, I have another thing coming for you, man. Longevity does not mean that. No, Mario I was not talking about you. Uh, I was talking about <laughs> responses like, "Yeah, this one I'm here <laughs> well, from Pete. Pete sorry, Pete's I'm gonna call the you out, the, the longevity and compilation elevates him. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna call you out there.
0: In 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 this in this one, I have to agree with you on that. I don't I don't think that's exactly the case. And uh, we got two more guys. Then we're gonna be. so so it, it, so.
1: I I want the people that keep the energy for that argument to keep that energy for when it's, when it comes to talking about Derek Jeter, because for years, I hear Derek Jeter's a compiler, Derek Jeter's a compiler. He's overrated this and that blah, 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 blah. Okay. That if that argument works for Mark Andre Fleury, then it has to work for Derek Jeter.
0: I've said this before, Phil, and let me be really quick about this because uh, we do have two more topics and maybe a little bit of QA. and a, Cause I got to get out to everybody that's outside waiting for me. Um, but Derek Jeter has more 200 hit seasons than the New York Mets as a franchise, uh, Derek Jeter wasn't a compiler. Derek Jeter was, he's, he's not the best Yankee of all time. He's not even close. I put him at seven, but, uh, that's just off the top of my head. And that's not to offend him. It's more to talk about the greatness of their organization. And if you want to say that we
1: don't see goaltenders doing what Marc-Andre Fleury's done, yes, we have. It's Martin
0: Brodeur. And Dominic Hotschick and Patrick wash are still better goaltenders than him. I would take Patrick Wall in a heartbeat any day. Sorry. And you know what? Marc-Andre Fleury would probably say the same thing, Philk. Going to Friday night, Brandon Smith hits Connor Bedard with an open ice hit. Bedard fractured jaw, expected to miss. Uh, six to eight weeks. Sorry that it says no timetable for the return. Phil- oh, get the gift. Oh, we'll get the gift. We haven't yeah, had it out all night. The because uh, they did update the timetable. There you go. <laughs> so, Phil, there's nothing wrong with Brandon Smith's hit on Connor Bedard. <sighs>
1: I I watched it. I didn't think there was anything egregiously wrong with it. Bedard had his head down. Um, yeah, I mean, you get, get. <laughs> no. I I mean, I don't think there was anything wrong. He had his head down. It's just I know people were outraged over it
0: because it's it's Bedard. But keep your head up, kid. You know what? Uh... And so was that? A is that a round?
1: Layup.
0: Layup. Okay, there it is. We haven't had one yet. And you know something? People were talking about this all weekend on Twitter. And a matter of fact, my partner over here said, you better have that energy for when next time Jacob Truba hits somebody. Uh, yeah. You know what? He keeps his he keeps his elbow in. He doesn't target the head. He comes forward because he's trying to go through him. That's a clean hit.
1: Richardson didn't would have said otherwise. No, he did say otherwise.
0: Luke Richardson didn't yeah. have a problem with the hit. And Luke Richardson. By oh, like the great seeing so. Christian. I mean, uh, but of course, Richardson's going to say he doesn't like the hit. He's the he's his coach. No, You're back your Richardson guys. said he had no problem with it. Oh, he did.
1: Oh, okay. yeah. I you
0: said he did say otherwise. No,
1: Richardson. Richardson had no problem with
0: it. He came out and said it himself. He played. Well, he was, he the was the guy that used it to deliver yeah so that's uh that's me speaking out of both ends of my mouth right there and lastly Phil, we got to talk about this one and carter Gautier uh refused to play for the flyers according to reports the flyers traded him to anaheim for jamie drysdale and a second round pick actually there's two topics in this one the flyers handled the carter Gauthier situation correctly
1: yeah, I I would say they did as good of a job as they could with this. Um, there was it came out today on Daily Faceoff with uh, Frank Cerevalli, uh Johnny Lazarus, and Colby um, Cohen. That um, John LeClaire and who was the other one that went? Um, was John LeClaire. Oh, Patrick Sharp. Sorry. John Leclerc and Patrick Sharp. How how can I forget Patrick Sharp when we met him in Vegas? But um yeah, I they went to visit him and talk about um you know how everything was going. And um they he basically sent his his like coach out and, and said that you know he didn't want to play for them and didn't want to talk to them. So uh, but uh, Kevin Hayes ended up getting caught up in this talk because they're close and um, yeah, uh, he received death threats and people were saying things that like, you know, uh, we were happy Jimmy is dead or something like yeah. that. It, just scummy things coming from some terrible fans. Um, yeah. I, I, they handled it as best as they could. They got back. Although um. I'm kind of iffy on Drysdale right now because I I wonder if he ever stays healthy enough to become the defenseman that he could become. He's a great skater. I wonder about his defensive game, but his health is the biggest issue because he just cannot stay healthy. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to say round here. They handled it as best as they could.
0: I think it takes some serious, serious balls, for lack of a better word. I was trying to figure out which one to go with this. Keith Jones, guest of our show, got to applaud the way he handled it. You say yeah. you don't want to be a flyer? All right, we'll move on from you. And I think getting Jamie Drysdale back, they got back a hell of a player and a second-round pick for Cutter Gauthier, who looks like he might be a pretty good player. And now Anaheim, you look at their assets that they got going, more on Anaheim in one second. But then you also got to look at the the, the way that this was this was handled. It was handled swiftly, and it was handled correctly. Look, could they have – tried to talk him into staying sure they could have but if you didn't want to listen don't bother yeah just you you don't need we, we know my opinion about malcontents you don't need the malcontents if you can't smooth it over you move on from them i i i don't like the
1: flyers as a ranger fan obviously but i i love the mindset and approach to this like you know what you don't want to be here screw you you're out we don't care and they got what they got for him they did it quickly they didn't drag his name through the mud. They got it done. They didn't turn this into a Jack eichel buffalo Sabres situation, which is great. Um, I, I, I love the way – Or Eric Lindros the, in the Flyers situation. Eric, oh, well, the Eric Lindros situation. That goes beyond hockey, though. That goes well beyond hockey. Um, and There were other extenuating factors, um, Carl and Bonnie Lindros, that were involved in and- that, that.
0: Yeah. And, by the way, Phil, let's also be fair to something else. The one thing I have not heard from the Flyers themselves, Jones, Air, anybody else, they have not said a bad word about Cutter. They've just said, you want to be here, they right are not going to be
1: here. And, they, and they, they, like I said, they've done everything right to the team, to a team. Textbook. They've handled this as, as well as any team can. Um, yeah, maybe if Chuck Fletcher – yeah, well, Chuck Fletcher – Yeah, not exactly the greatest job in Philly, but um, (laughs) to say the least, Keith Jones got to commend Keith Jones and Danny Breer and and so on for handling it the way that they did. I I don't I don't think it's I don't think there's any real comparison between these two. Fox wanted to be with his hometown team, and I think everybody knew that. And that's why he was traded twice, because he wanted to go sign with the Rangers. I, and Gauchet, in both cases, Gauchet, both said that it, it, it's, it's supposedly Gauthier and his agent. They're going to come out and they're going to clarify it soon. I don't know exactly when they're going to do it, but that's what I heard. We'll get more information and we'll see what happened. But I mean, I, I listen, I, I, they Philadelphia did all everything they could they played it. They, they played their hand exactly the way they should have played it. And they got a decent return for him. So kudos to Philadelphia. Um, but Carter Groce is out of the division. So,
0: I mean, he, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for a while. And uh, also to, to mention something else in this, Phil, uh, that in the Fox case, both teams acquired assets when Fox was traded. Uh, it, I believe it was the hennepin Lindholm deal when uh, yes. Fox was traded out of Calgary. And I think yeah. it was two second round picks or it was just one second round pick where the Rangers could have sat back and went, Hey, we don't have to give you anything. We know he's coming. So, but the ripple effect of this Phil, is Trevor Zegers is now all the way up to fourth on the daily face-off trade board. The ducks will deal Trevor Zegers by the deadline.
1: I don't think that's going to happen. I think if he's, uh, I'm going to say shot actually, um, I And he's he's hurt, so now he's out for a bit. So that's going to uh, change that up. But I also think that um, he it's going to be a tougher offseason type deal for Trevor Zegers. I, I think this deal is probably a little bigger, if anything. I do get the sense that no. Verbeek is – looking to have a bigger, stronger, faster team, kind of like the Anaheim teams from like 2015, you know, the, 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 the 2010s basically like that type of build a big team that could skate and play physical. I think Verbeek is going towards that. And I think he's doing kind of like a, uh, a, a flush, if you will, kind of how like jury did to Gorton's guys, he got rid of a lot of Gorton's guys over the first couple of years I think Verbeek is doing that for the previous regime, so um, I, I, I do think that you'll you'll eventually see Zegers dealt, but I don't I don't think it's by the deadline.
0: Yeah, I'm actually only gonna go beer, and that's because there's a lot that's making me kind of wonder whether or not this is gonna happen. And just you summarize, you summarize as best you can and perfectly, I should say. Uh, Verbeek and his thinking on all these players because you get this feeling that he wants to get away from finesse. He wants to get away from just purely skilled guys, but you need a mesh of those guys if you're going to succeed. The teams that are just brute force, grind it out, they don't win in the playoffs. The teams that are just finesse, they don't win in the playoffs. So you need that mix that's going to be in there You got to say, though, that his stock might not might be at the highest or lowest has been. I don't know which one to say it is, because if you do get him, you could potentially have a number one center signed for relatively pretty good money. And you got him locked up for two more years and he already had the contract to speak with them. So maybe there's a little bit of bad blood. Maybe they try to move him at the deadline. But on the other hand, there's no rush for Pat Verbeek. He doesn't have to do anything. He can just sit back and relax.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some sort of bad blood with Verbeek and Zegers. Um, obviously, the contract, you know, talks definitely uh, definitely played a factor. I mean, if if he was somebody that I thought could buy into Peter Laviolette's system, and Chris Drury wasn't the way that he was with doing like his management kind of flush, I would think that Zegers would be somebody that the Rangers would look to bring in. But I I, I just – he seems very immature to me, and he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would buy in to play that type of winning hockey that you need in the playoffs. He seems like the type of guy that would probably disappear come playoff time. And I, I don't think the Rangers will even pursue this. I, I think –
0: I don't even think you'll see them involved. Yeah, I kind of got to agree with that one, Phil. It's – um. I don't know if he's ready to be a winning hockey player yet. Yeah. He's still thinking, let me go out, score as many points. This is what I can do. And it's funny because in the world juniors, he was amazing. He was clutch, everything you wanted from a, a player like that. But that's but I a still bigger, think his, softer,
1: softer, you know, type of game. I mean it's it that's still a more skill-predicated
0: game. But I think it's his focus is still on being a star. He'd rather be the guy that's known for the Michigan pass and the dodgeball shootout move in the All-Star game weekend, and until he kind of says, "I want to win a Stanley Cup, and I'll do anything I want for that," you're, I don't think you're going to get anywhere with him just yet. Not saying Trevor Zegers can't turn into a better player because he you needs, can take that energy. He he's using. needs the he needs the Bowman to the Eiserman and Fedorov,
1: and the the Hitchcock to the Medano. That's really what he needs to get to that next level.
0: And I, I don't think he's ready for that yet. Yeah. I don't think he's ready for that either. It's going to be some time. Well guys, thanks for joining us on big Apple hockey's bar talk, where we gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice to drink. And uh, we'll do a quick little Q and a, cause I'm only going to go till seven o'clock which seven o'clock Eastern time. is. so it's eight more minutes for us. And Phil, I do have to point this one out because of the doubt that's surrounding um. Philippidel right now. You had Leah Sanderson. Keandre Miller is kind of underperforming now. Uh, Vitali Kratzoff, uh, Nils Lundquist. Kako, Lafreniere. Rangers kind of failed in their rebuild. I think I don't know, that's a bit of a hot take right now, but and and a little bit of circumstances. But I mean,
1: they they went and they got Adam Fox. And that ended up being really good. Miller is struggling right now, but he had 40 points last year. Lafreniere is looking like the player. He's looking like he's well on his way to the player that we all think he will become. The big thing for Lafreniere was that in the offseason, he worked with a strength and conditioning coach back up in, I think Montreal. I think his name was Stefan Dubé. And, it was reported on the uh, the Sportsnet broadcast of the Rangers-Montreal game that he came back this offseason six pounds lighter, and he looks faster, he looks stronger, he looks better. And it's funny because I was saying the exact opposite about him in the offseason, and it was caco who looked better. Mm-hmm. Alexi Lafreniere looks ten times better. Alexi Lafreniere is on pace for over 50 points. Like, I hope, we, I hope we all know this right now. Like, 25 points in 39 games. 25. And that is a pace of, let over 82. No, I did that well. Why did that not do the way that I wanted to do? But it's over 50 points. It's probably about, like, 51 or 52 points that he's on pace for. So, uh, I mean, the only thing with him right now that I need to see fixed from Lafreniere is the defense. Defense not been good for him. Um, just too many lackadaisical plays at times. Uh I I need more from him defensively. Yeah, it's 50, yeah, 53 points. He's not paid for a lot for a year. So if you get 50 points out of La on that second line in his what is this, his fourth year? Yeah, 21, 21- 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's fourth year. Uh, I mean that's not bad. That's not bad. So um uh, and definitely- And, Phil, the type of play that he's been known for this season, it's more generating the turnovers. He's not getting those points. There's been a lot of plays that he's made, and you could say those were assists that weren't on the score sheet, so to speak, that he's created the turnover. Trochek or Panarin takes it over and puts it in the back of the net. So that's one thing that helps. But you kind of look at everything outside of this. You can't whip on Vitalik Ransaw. And then you can't. That's a major reach, and that's why Gordy Clark
1: and, and that regime are no longer here. That there's a major reach. They should have Gordy Clark thought he was the smartest man in the room and he found another guinnicus netto. That it, it, it's the problem with that previous regime is that they get convinced of things after seeing things happen. So that regime was also the regime that took Dylan McElrath. After they watched the Rangers get bullied in that two-game series and Flyers mm-hmm. in that home and home at the end of the 2010 season. So they passed on Kuznetsov in that draft. So oh, we're gonna make up for it. We're gonna go get our own Kuznetsov in 2018. After Kuznetsov put up 30 points to lead all playoff scorers in the 2018 playoffs. So that I mean that's that's the issue with this team. Uh, yeah. And Davidson overhyped about Schneider in the war room thinking he got, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. The previous regime thought that they were, especially the scouting staff, they thought that they found the next big thing in these things, instead of kind of going by the boards and, and doing things the right way. And they just, they got convinced and they got hyped on guys that really weren't that great. They really
0: weren't. And, Let's go further from that. If they would have actually traded up one pick before Schneider, you'd end up with Dawson Mercer, who was a guy that the Ranger fans would all have killed for right now. Instead, you get Braden Schneider, who, yeah, he helped on that run, but still, yeah. Ryan Gropp was another guy that was La-La-Pierre touted. There was
1: available. I wanted Hendricks Lapierre, but he, the, the, there was just. Uh, there was a big injury issue with him, and he was. It, they thought it was concussions, and it mm-hmm. ended up being a neck thing, and he got the issue fixed. But
0: um, it's – But you the, also look at the 2020 uh, – it was the 2020 NHL draft uh, with yes. La So you look at that draft, it's actually looking closer to the 99 draft than it is to 2003. You're not seeing – I mean, you got Tim Stutzler in the field right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. Uh, Byfield is starting to look like the player that he should become. Lucas Raymond is a solid player. Jake Sanderson is turning into a really good player. Drysdale has been hurt a lot. Holtz hasn't really done anything. Jack Quinn is starting to play better. Marco Rossi had the, the myocarditis scare. that mm-hmm. He was going to even play again. Koper Fetty has been solid. He's starting to get better. Yaroslav Iskarov, uh, not enough of a sample size.
0: They Don't think, even know yet.
1: They think that next year he'll probably be staying with the team. Uh, so they still think that he could be a franchise goaltender. Seth Jarvis has been good, but he's also been on a good team. Dylan Holloway, not really a big fan of him. Rodion Amirov, a lot of people like that pick a bit. He hasn't been any good. Kaden Gooley isn't bad. Lucas Reichel is it's still early with him. He's start he's starting to show flashes. Dawson Mercer looked good last year. Um Muckma nah, I don't think he's gonna be anything. Igor Chinikov was another one because the <laughs> the announcers didn't even like know who he was they didn't time. prepare for him they didn't prepare for him being drafted that high and then he ends up being yeah yeah I I know that but it's just it, it it's it's a sad sad story but it's just it, it was a good pick I was saying like it was a, a lot of people liked that pick at the time but um it just yeah um it was Chinikov, really, that kind of, like, he's kind of blown away expectations so far. He's starting to play a hell of a lot better. So I, I think he's going to be a good player. Um, Connor Zari has come out of nowhere recently for Calgary.
0: And it, if I recall, that is the Rangers pick
1: that they had. Yeah, Connor Zary. yeah. I mean, that, that would have been a nice one for the Rangers. Um, yeah. Gabe's brother hasn't really done anything with Anaheim as of yet. Ridley Grieg looks like he could be a solid middle six player. And then you've got Brendan Burson, Maverick Bork, and Ozzy Wiesblot. So um, I don't think any – I don't know if any of those three are going to be anything great at the NHL level. But, yeah, I do agree. There there are some solid players, but there are definitely some guys who have definitely missed big time.
0: All right, guys, we're going to play the music to get us going because, you know, right now out in Tennessee, like I said before I hit the Jack Daniels distillery earlier. Bill, you know that's in a dry county.
1: You said that earlier.
0: Yeah, there's only you can only taste that much. But I did have that much of 130 proof uh, whiskey, which was uh, a very interesting twice goes with the 140 Matt. Thank you very much. Because we work hard on this show, and we're just trying to get more eyeballs on us. Thank you to everybody that's watching on Instagram, because uh, I was a little bit late to get the stream up. So, hopefully, and also thanks to everybody watching All Things Islanders now, because we cover everybody around here. So, Bill, what do you think? The Rangers go to St. Louis, do they get back in their winning ways? I think so, I think they
1: come back with better effort. I think the lobby of heavy skate practice, um, I, I think that'll help them. And you no, know, I, I think the New York Rangers want to play worse defense and uh, they don't want to make any trades at all. They, they want to actually bring back Patrick Nemeth.
0: Yeah, as always, Patrick Nemeth, the Norris Trophy winner that he was. Thank you very much, for. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, thank you all for joining us for today. Look for more shorts and segments. And make sure you're helping us get the word out. You just leave a like when I put the clips and the other shorts up there. But, guys, thank you very much. And we will see you next Wednesday night. Take care.